Nobody had a chance with her. Nobody. But at that point, it would be security, let's get her out. Her boyfriend would be number one, her friend's number two, her family number three, and somewhere down the line, the music might come in. Have you heard the Michael Anthony show? As a man in his mid-fifties, it's not smart to be having fights with drug dealers. I was good, wasn't I, Dad? I said, what are you talking about? You're still good. I was beautiful, wasn't I, Dad? I said, you're still beautiful. The sinking sand of despair The smell of dread in the air I'm head to toe in my own fear I'm going to die and I need to cry ah. Mitchell Winehouse Mitch is it Mitchell, though, officially? Officially, yeah. Yeah. I was looking forward to interviewing you. And then yesterday I was sitting at home and Tottenham beat United 6-1. Yeah. And that fucks me off. Well, obviously. I'm a supporter. Exactly. I presume that due to the A, North London, and B, Judaism, which is a Tottenham-associated religion. Why are Tottenham so associated with the Jewish community? Well, you could say Daniel Levy, but, I mean, it was way, way, way before way Daniel before Levy. Well, I suppose... And what about West Ham? West Ham is in the East End of London, where, where we all came from. I don't know the answer to that. Did you watch the game? Of course. Do you like Mourinho? I think he's a great manager. I do. Are you sad that Poch went, though? No. Every single every single crucial game, he screwed up. He's played in the, in the European Cup final. He plays an unfit Harry Winks and an unfit Harry Kane. He drops... Had Mar- to play Kane, though. He dropped Mora, who scored a hat-trick in the semi-final... Right, so we, we were all pleased to see him go. He took us as far as he, he got. He could Tottenham go. to the European Cup final, though. Yeah. You never, you never thought you'd see that. No. Do you think the Tottenham fans hate Arsenal more than Arsenal hate them? No. Because that is the accusation. I don't hate Arsenal fans at all. But there's I an accusation Chelsea. that Tottenham were obsessed with Arsenal. No. Well, I, I don't. Not at all. They, they don't even register. You know, we've come up, we've come above them in the last I don't know how many six, seven years. They're not even an issue for Tottenham. Yeah. You do know, you, it's Chelsea. Do you still go? Yeah, I'm seeing to get older. My son, grandson, all my friends. The old lane's gone. Are you sad about that? Well, it's only like three steps down the road, isn't it? It's it's on the same footprint, or three quarters of it is. Yeah, but the fact it's that a, that kind of small ground realm It's a wonderful stadium. It's a fantastic stadium. And Mitch, obviously, musically, most people listening to this will associate you with, of course, being the father of a cultural icon in Amy Winehouse. But I've heard you sing. I've watched the videos. It's Sinatra-esque. I got into it early. I was singing professionally before I was a cab driver and I was so successful that I didn't earn any money and I had to become a cab driver. Why'd that happen? Because when everyone was singing Beatles stuff and rock, I was still singing Sinatra stuff and it wasn't really... uh, Were you writing your own stuff though? No. Because there is studies that say that 50% of musical talent is genetic. Yeah. Do you view Amy's talent as coming and linked to your talent originally? Totally. But what about the writing aspect? Was she more creative than you naturally? Far more creative. The truth is, her mum, Janice, her family, they were all geniuses. And I'm, I mean geniuses. Her sister, so Amy's auntie, you know this COVID crisis yeah. and Cobra and all that. She runs Cobra in the northwest. 
four of her uncles were top musicians. So you got kind of got the singing from our side of the family, or from my side of the family, and the musicianship from her mum's side of the family. What were the first moments of her realising she could sing in key? She had a note in her voice. Did you know when she was six, when she'd sing along to the radio, that's not just a normal daughter singing, that is outrageous what's no. coming out of her mouth? She she went, she used to go to um, stage school at the weekends for acting and dancing. She was a really good dancer and she did loads of stage shows, professional and uh, dancing and uh, TV did a lot of TV and adverts. And I remember very, very clearly, she she said, we're doing a show at school, we're doing Annie. And uh, I said, are you gonna sing? She said, yeah, anyway, so she sings the song. But of course, they're not gonna, ch she can't do the key, she can't do the key, it's too high. Tomorrow, tomorrow. I, I thought, well, you know, thank God she can act and dance. And then the following year, she was about 12, I mean, I had heard her sing, and she had a, a, a very powerful voice. But the next year, she was maybe 11 or 12, and she said, I'm singing in the school show again, Dad. And I said to my wife, oh, my God, she's singing in the school show again. We've got to go, you know, I mean, because I, I go and watch my son play football. I've got yeah. to go and watch my daughter. So we went, and I remember the song. Do you remember, you know, the, the Alanis Morissette song, uh, Isn't It Ironic? Mm. Isn't It Ironic? And now... It's in the right key. She can sing. And I said to my wife, hold on a minute. This is fantastic. She was very naughty at school. She went to the same school that I went to when I was a kid. And the, a lot of the teachers were the same. And they, the teachers would, would talk to me. And they said, she, she, she's a lovely kid, very naughty in class, not 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 malicious. Just easily bored. But she'd bored. be singing in, in class. Yeah. And they'd have to ask her to leave the class and everything. And... Um, she said, I'm going to stage school, Dad. I said, I, I want to go to Sylvia Young. And I said, you can go to Sylvia Young if you d have one good year at school. Anyway, so she applied to Sylvia Young herself and she did an audition and she got in on a scholarship. Now, after that, after Amy passed away, one of the first things we did, we gave three scholarships to Sylvia Young for three kids that couldn't afford to go there themselves. And I know the talent that these kids must have to get a scholarship at Sylvia Young. We sat there through 80 auditions and we chose three in the end. Subsequently, Amy got in and then we realised she must be fantastic if she could get in completely free of charge on a scholarship. And and they developed her talent to a certain extent and um, and that's when, obviously, we knew she she could sing. The writing came afterwards. Where did it? you meet Amy's mum, Janice? She was my best friend's cousin. She was 21. Because Janice is, is American. She was born in America. Okay. So she would go, she's a pharmacist, or she was, and she would go to work in America for six months of the year. And I, we started dating, and, and she said, well, you know, I'm going next week, I'm going to America. And she went to America for six months, and I was, like, beside myself. didn't know what to do. And then she came back, and we started seeing each other. And I, 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 was, I was 26 when we got married, and she was 21. Was it just a traditional case of marriage breakdown falling out of love or what, what was the story yeah pretty, pretty much what do you think of marriage as a concept it's a wonderful thing does it get stale does for it some change people it does and for some people it doesn't I guess I, I, I was seeing I was seeing somebody as well frankly and uh, who you later know, on became my wife an affair kind of situation or Jane said I'm not gonna I mean we, 
she like we liked each other, but she didn't want to be with me until I was divorced or, or separated. So we weren't together really until I separated. I would go back to every day, get the kids ready for school, take them to school, pick them up because I had my own business then. Yeah, bring them back, and and they used to say to me, "Dad, you don't have to be here all the time." What's you know, it was, like to be the subject though of such bullshit? The stuff that's been written about you as a human being is absolutely crazy for doing nothing but having a daughter who was immensely talented. Well, that's, that's, that's uh, the thing. Based on what I've seen, the accusations are unfounded. It looked like you were trying to, in, in many ways, bring a bit of normality to the life of somebody who had become globally famous. They talk about the documentary, Amy, and you talk about your, your disdain of it, but there's actually one moment in that where I think it sums up how inaccurate the findings of the film are that they left in, and it's when Amy's at the beach in St. Lucia, and two people come up and ask for a picture, and Amy, just tired or rightly so, just says, yeah, if you, if you, if you didn't want to bother me, you wouldn't fucking ask for it. It's funny, but yeah, you I say thought, to her... I found that... Yeah, and actually, you go to her, why would you say that? But you yeah. also ask the camera guy to not film you when you're doing it. You're yeah. not giving that bollocking for the fucking cameras. You were trying to keep her in a way level-headed. And people, when they say that you're the person who led Amy Winehouse, forced her to work when she wasn't capable of it, I nearly find it patronising towards the legacy of Amy Winehouse as if she wasn't a stubborn person, an intelligent person who could make up her own mind. It's unbelievably disrespectful nearly to her to suggest that you were this Lindsay Lowen's mother figure who guided her entire actions when she would have been well able to fucking deal with you. What people don't understand is that nobody controlled, even when Amy was ill, you know, I mean, people would say to me, well, why don't you just stop her money? You just did it. It's her money. Yeah. I can't stop her money. Uh, why don't you Why don't you get a house in the country, lock her up for, for four weeks, and that'll do the job. Yeah, she'd also drive them to... You know, unless you're faced with a situation like that, nobody's ever written a book about what to do. And we did, believe you me, we did the best that we can, as I'm sure you know. That film was a travesty. You know, there were people who... Were like Reg, her boyfriend. You you don't see you don't hear him in the film. There's one picture of her and him right at the end. They came to my. I did a show in 2010, the release of my first album, and Amy looked like a film star. I, she, she looked fabulous. Why isn't that in the film? Because they wanted to portray an image of this poor little girl whose life basically ended in 2008, 2010, going into 2011. She did. I think, 15 shows in Brazil. They weren't all great. Some of them were. Her manager phoned me up and said, and said listen to this. She's at the Maracanã Stadium where Pelé used to play football, yeah, right? Yeah. And he'd go, listen to this. And they're going, Amy, 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 80,000 people. Why isn't that in the film? They also wanted to portray somebody whose death was self-inflicted when, although her previous actions might have diminished her body's ability to handle things, so to speak, it was, it was a tragic never woke up from a sleep death though it wasn't well, this suicide or drug overdose that but, but the, the person on the he street he didn't even know that when I spoke to him after all this research and they were making the film he didn't even know that she died she thought he, he thought she died of a drug overdose she was and I keep saying she's been clear of drugs for three years and he actually said well what's the difference she still died Do he actually the said that to her yeah. father and I said well you know we've got a foundation now and we go into schools and we talk to kids about the danger of alcohols and, and drugs we want to actually 
let kids know that alcohol is just as dangerous as drugs, which it was as far as Amy was concerned. She dealt with her drug situation. In the last six weeks, six weeks of Amy, there were there were large periods of the last 18 months where Amy didn't drink, but there were periods where she did drink, small periods. Don't a proper smasher for those three weeks yeah. or whatever. And then for the last six weeks, she, five and a half weeks, she didn't drink. And then I went to America to, I was doing a tour in, New, of, in America. I was in New York. We were starting the tour. And that's when I got the message to come home. She passed away. And she'd had, she'd had two days of drinking. She went, and the night she died, again, it's not handled in the film, she was playing the drum, drums and singing. And her security officer went in and said, Amy, the lady next door has just banged on the door complaining. You've got to quiet it down. Who complains about Amy Winehouse no, drumming no, on her but, own but, I mean, the thing is, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Give us a break. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm trying to explain is, is someone who's about to commit suicide isn't singing and playing the drums at two o'clock in the morning. If you also look at the last image of her that is captured by the paparazzi, who, by the way, is a disgusting realm of society, paparazzi. Well, you know, it, it's true, generally. But what the last saying, picture, but... she looks great. She's walking into her house. She's wearing that navy polo. She looks healthy. Well, okay. And the thing is, is we they used to chase us in the house. It's true. It's a chase in the house. It was raining or, or snowing or something. She sat me, oh, dad. I feel sorry for her. And she'd make them all tea and sandwiches. You know, and, and we'd go out and give them... Uh, and, or she'd go out and play football with them in the street. When Amy got huge and the drug abuse started, there would have been contemplations in your mind that you realised something could happen here. But she was three years clean of drugs. What was it like to have nearly moved on from that fear? Well, we had moved on. Yeah, you'd moved on from the fear and then out of nowhere... If she'd have died in 2007, 2008... You would have been more emotionally I'd have gone. I'd have gone, you know what? Fair enough. Nobody, you know, nobody could do that to their body consistently and survive. Well, she did. But had she had died, we'd have all gone, well, what did we expect? And, and there was no hope. You know, we, uh, there was no help, I should say. You know, that people don't really talk about all this now because people know that that film is a sham. Most people do you know think that so? That film, yeah, most people know that that film is a sham. And, and the thing is, is, is that even that film... People are easy to, to yeah, manipulate, but, but, though, but, man. Well, they are easy to manipulate. But even in that film, they, he's, in one minute he's saying, we never took Amy to rehab. The next minute, I'm taking her into three different rehabs. You know, I'm going in here, we're walking in this one, we're walking in that one. And and basically nobody knew what to do with her. And and the thing is, is, is that when she decided to quit drugs, she quit drugs. And I'd say to her, because I was having fights with drug dealers... And I said, what was it that actually made you stop taking drugs? She said, it was the look on her mum's face. She said, that was it, the look on her, my mum's face. And that's what did it for her. You know, but the thing is, what people don't realise, and what we know now is because we've got a woman's recovery house 250 yards down the Kingston yeah, yeah. Road. That's we've got a woman's recovery house in there. And, this, and every single one of those women that are in there were coerced, coerced into drug addiction by their male partners, by their male partners. And that's exactly what happened with Amy as well. And when these people are stigmatised about drug addiction, they, that people don't realise that the majority of women are, are there because of their male partners. But was she, do you think, maybe looking for an escape because she didn't like fame? Possibly. Coerced into addiction by a male partner, understandably so. She was coerced. Frank in... had already been out. Yeah. Did she love musicianship and creativity? She didn't like the attention, maybe. She didn't like the attention, but I'll tell you what, she'd go and get the the the, 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 the mirror heck? and the sun every day, and if she's not in it, she'd go, I'm not in the papers today, Dad. You know what I mean? So on one hand, she didn't like it. On another, on the other hand, she quite... I mean, she's like everybody else. I like it. 
and sometimes I don't like it. You know, sometimes when someone stops me in the street, shakes me by the hand and says, your aim is dad, good on you, mate. No one's ever stopped me, by the way, and said, you're a bastard because you fucked Amy up or anything like that. That's never happened to Never, you. ever, ever happened in my life. Never. No one ever has said that to me. But it must be weird for that, though, even to be a possibility because at the end of the day, you're the person who conceived her, you're the person who grew up with her, but the saddest thing about the way the world works is when somebody does something incredibly good the public assume ownership and you have to no longer be her father but be another fan if she wasn't a famous singer get in fight with dealers bring her to rehab say she doesn't have to go be controlling uh, follow on. her that, that's Motor- another thing but that's another thing when I said I, she didn't have to go right I didn't say that the whole film has been edited I've got the transcripts you know when I'm driving the cab in that film and I say and I say well Amy didn't need to go to rehab what I, what I said after that, which they edited out, was Amy didn't need to go to rehab, pause. Then I went on, on to say, at that time, because they're talking about 2005, yeah. later on is a different story. So that's deliberately misleading people. If she was alive now, real classy artist, playing Royal Albert Hall, jazz band behind her, iconic voice into her <laughs> 40s, or do you think that... It would have reappeared the drug problems. Was it a youthful phase, or was it just that she was self-destructive because her talent was so volatile? I, I don't think she was self-destructive as, at all. I think that she met somebody that she loved desperately. There must have been elements to him that's a good guy, because she was she wouldn't have loved him otherwise. Uh, I wasn't in love with him, so I don't know. To me, he was a piece of shit. She has said though at the time, "Oh, my dad thinks Blake's a good guy. They get on well." I would just pretended that she in the was, early days. The, the truth like is, like any dad would, would it? Yeah. With the, a daughter. The, the truth is. Before I knew he was, a, he was a heroin addict, you know, he was a very personable guy. He was respectful to me, you know, and then things went downhill very, very quickly. It's difficult to like someone when you're fighting, having fistfights with their parents. Trailer was, trash. was he not privately educated and stuff? No. The, the father was a headmaster in a school. The mother was a hairdresser, had her own shop. On the face of it, it sounded all right, but they had serious problems. I mean, they assaulted... Their, one of their kids was playing football and uh, the manager took the kid off, substituted him, and they went on and bashed up the, the manager. So they weren't just good people in denial because their son had gone off the rails? No, they were they were nuts anyway. I mean, I'm telling you, I have fights with them. They're proper, proper nutty people. And then they went out publicly and said, don't buy Amy's records, she's getting Blake into drugs. Yeah, what do you think about that? Well, that did a lot of good, didn't it? She only sold 25 million albums. The accusation against you is that Amy was your daughter and then she grew into this pot of not just success but money and that your goal was to keep that on the road at the sacrifice of your daughter's emotional stability. What do you think about what do you I think, think that's that? bollocks. Right. So I sat with Amy round the table. Nobody, this is what people don't understand, nobody had a chance with her. Nobody. We sat with Lucian Grange, who was the head of Universal at the time. The man, people, walk, he walked in the office, people would bow down like this. This man was one of the most powerful men in the music industry. His nephew was, his nephew was Nick Shemansky. You heard of Nick Shemansky? Yeah. Right, so his nephew was Nick Shemansky. So it was a kind of a personal thing. Now, he called us into the office. He, he called Amy and he said, this is before Back to Black came out. He said, three years since Frank came out, we need some material. What have you got? And this is the only time they put her under any, and it wasn't pressure really. And she said, well, I've got two songs. He said, I want you to come and play them for me. So we went there, five hours late we were, five hours. Anyway, we get in there, she plays Addicted. You know Addicted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Great song. Unbelievable great song. song. Right, so and she plays it. the fact that she uses the old school melodies to describe such modern content. She's talking about weed, but she sounds like a 1950s pop group. It's, it, it's it, fucking brilliant. Right, it's a great song. So he, she plays it for him. It's like that scene in the... Uh, in the uh, uh, Queen film with the stupid producer. Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So now he's sitting there and he's going, no, he's gone, no. You can't you can't have a song about addiction. And she's yeah. going, Lucian, it's not quite un- Uncle Lucian, it's not quite like that. So then she plays him black to black. He's gone, no, no. He's gone, you can't have a song with black in the title, don't you? Right. And he's gone, why can't you write a song that's about that you meet this guy, the sky's blue, the green grass, the sea. Why can't you write a song about that? And she said, oh, Uncle Lucian. And she went and sat on his lap and she was kissing the cuddling neck. No one had a chance with her. So when they say, why didn't we stop? Why didn't we do this? We sat down with Rayo manager and me and we said, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> And we said, um, and it was a schedule for a t- European tour. And we said, Ray and I said to her, you can't do this. Nobody could do this. I've toured. I know what it's like. Belgrade, then Budapest, then this, then that, every day. I said, you can't do it. She said, I'm doing it. As I'm an artist it. yourself, though, after she released Frank, clean cut, beautifully attractive, young English woman, who has this incredible jazz voice, then the pain came, which produced that record. If you could change it as her dad... I wish it had never come out. Really? 100%. But that that album is what will define your great-grandkids' life. Regardless of what they do in life, they will always be related to Amy Winehouse, who wrote with Mark Ronson, Back to Black, which wasn't just incredibly music, but it, it changed females in the music industry. It's probably the most inspiring record for females in the last 25 years. That, that, it's that's a, true. It's a, a five-time Grammy-winning I mean, record. Yeah, but you know what? I'd give it. I'd give it all back in a heartbeat. I'll have her back. I couldn't even listen to it because I know what it's about. I can't even listen. I can now, but I could. And, and now I, I can start to appreciate it. When that came out in the, it was October two thousand six, wasn't it? My mum had just passed away in the May, and my son was badly affected by my mum's passing, as was Amy. You know, we had a lot, and then and then the album came out, and it wasn't. I think the first part of the album, I, you know, I remember we were just up here at Stoke Newington, and she was filming the uh, the um, Back to Black video, you yeah. know, the, the cemetery yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she phoned me up, and um, it was freezing, freezing cold. She was in a trailer; there was no heating. And she said, "Dad, can you bring me a puffer jacket or something?" We had we bought down we bought her down a puffer jacket, and she said, "Dad, I'm so excited." I said, what, what, what? She said, I'm number one in Norway. What? what? You're number one in New York, in America and in London, all in Germany. No, but you don't understand that. Number one in Norway. That means even in Norway, people have heard of me. You know, so I just throw that in. I mean, it doesn't answer your question. You know, I struggled with the Back to Black album, literally, right from the start. You weren't shocked at all, though, by the global reach of it. You, well, did you know? No, no one knew. How could anyone know that, that, I mean, her first album was moderately successful. I think it peaked at seven. Didn't go to America at all. You know, we knew that she had a really good fan base. Even then, they, they you know, they, they really appreciated her stuff. When Back to Black came out, it was like, whoa, it was like liftoff. Did no, Amy Winehouse her. know how good she was? Good question. I don't think she wanted to know. She, she you know, I mean, I know um, Carol King 
even now, is not making albums. She sits at the piano six hours a day. Amy wouldn't sit at the piano for six hours in a month. Yeah. You know, she was not. She was one of these people, which in a way makes it even more incredible, who was not dedicated to her music. It would be a boyfriend would be number one, a friend's number two, a family number three, and somewhere down the line, the music might come in and a light would go off in her head and then she'd go off and write this incredible album. Which is what made her so honest. Which made it honest and, and incredible because she wasn't working at it all the time. We went to Spain and my, my wife's dad had a house there with a pool. She came with us and every day she was strumming on the, and writing chords down, which was the basis of that Back to Black album. You know, not sitting, like, slaving away in a studio and knocking herself out making this album. It's sacrificing your personal life for your art, and it's using your art to get you through the pain, but in turn means you have exposed yourself so much to the people that it's nearly easier to be Ed Sheeran and go up with a guitar and write a few poppy G to C chords and get the record label to go, yeah, and we'll take the same song again with different lyrics and the same song after that. But if you're Amy Winehouse, you put a beehive on your head and you open up your heart, you're, you're going to be in trouble probably anyway, aren't you? Mm. You're giving away too much. Was there ever part of you going, Amy, as much as this is a great song, fuck me? Well, I, I'd say, well, you know, I, I don't know if it was the first album or the second album, and there's a line which goes, the only time you hold my hand is to get the angle right. I don't know whether that's off the Frank album or the back. Yeah. And I'd say to her, Amy, when you say that, do you mean, is that a sexual thing? Yeah. Because, you know, that men don't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dad, I don't want to talk about it. Dad, dad. <laughs> you know, I mean, she was like really with her lyrics. You know, it's funny because later on, about six months before she died, we were looking at uh, YouTube clips. If YouTube was around, it must have been. Because yeah, we, were looking at, we were looking at clips of of her shows and it was like she was talking about someone else she'd say to me i was good when i dad i said what are you talking about you're still good i was beautiful wasn't i dad i said you're still beautiful it's like she was looking she was looking at someone else she was also incredibly young ridiculously <laughs> ahead of her years in terms of what she said she goes on jonathan ross at 20 just as frank's coming out and if you look at 20 year olds now who are going on chat shows and she had all the banter to a T. She was fully honest. She was fully in control of everything. Was she always just really mature for her age? Yeah. Like at eight, was she sounding like a 16-year-old? No, no, she wasn't. Not at eight or 10. But something happened between 10 and 11 and 12 where she grew up a lot. It might have been, you know, I mean, I, I was with my kids all the time. So it wasn't that she didn't see me, that all that nonsense, and I abandoned Yeah, what is that? What is that claim? Oh, fuck. Um, who knows? It's all bullshit. You day. left at nine, fucked off, came back when she made it. Yeah. That's just an out-and-out -out lie. Of course it's an out-and-out -out lie. And it's just made up by people who work in tabloid media trying to make well, money off making it. Well, isn't it a better story? Isn't it a Do you not think it's story? weird that people make a living off making up lies about you, though? Well, it's what not a making weird them job. about me. They make up lies about everybody. Yeah. When the Amy film came out and they had that cliff of me saying, I didn't think Amy needed to go to rehab pools but later on that was a different story uh, you know obviously we went i went to a barrister about that and they said to me well you did say that she didn't need to go to rehab even though they cut that out you did say that it wasn't th so in other words they're not pretending you didn't so you said it but they just left that out there's no law against them leaving stuff out 
Regardless of which, though, they're only using that bit because it's it's made the. It's a much better story. It's the foundation of one of the greatest songs of the 21st century. Yeah, but it's a it's a great story, isn't it? A better story for people. You know, he was only there for the money. I had plenty of money before. We had a big business, which we sold for millions of pounds. You know, we I didn't need Amy's money, and. Um, we never had any of Amy's money. Amy had all her money, and we couldn't touch her money anyway because, well, we 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 were kind of helping to look after her money. It's uh. nothing to do with me. Your money's your money. If you choose to spend all your money on drugs, it's up to you. You're obviously a guy who grew up in the 1960s, Beatles and Stones. Yeah. And he had a daughter who performed on stage with people like Mick Jagger. Yeah. You would have had to have nearly idolised her. Did you let her off a bit easy? If she were able to speak, she would tell you that I wasn't easy on her. You know, but, but there are ways of dealing with these things. And I dealt with it badly. One of the things that we do at the foundation is to teach parents how to have sensible conversations around these subjects, the kind of conversations that I never had. Because all I would do was scream and shout and pretend to have heart attacks. Would you pretend to have heart Well, I went to the, the. I got them to put me into hospital. I pretended to collapse. They took me to hospital, and Amy came in and said, "Get out of bed, Dad. I know you're fucking about." <laughs> anything I would do, anything collapse in front of her, anything to stop her. I've dragged her into rehab. I wouldn't say that's taking it easy on her, you know. But I never saw her. Obviously, I never saw her take drugs. I did. You never what, know. Take drugs? Well, you never had an after show, like after never, a gig. Never, ever, ever. I never, ever. You must have seen her extremely drunk, though. Well, I, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. You know, but but at that point, it would be security, let's get her out. You know, I barely saw her put a glass to... Uh, we went out in St. Lucia once, and she said, do you mind if I have a glass of wine? I said, go ahead. That's the only time I've even seen her put a, a glass to her mouth. How often were you around her? Three or four times a week at that age. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I was because I was around her all the time because when, in, during the drug days, I was trying to protect her. So let's say she was on a two-day bender and she was she was on the class A well, drugs. But, but, you'd just be ringing her and no answer. Yeah, pretty much. And then she'd eventually answer you go, where the fuck have you been? I would know where she'd go and I'd try and find her and I'd, I'd have, I can't say too much. But let's just say that there were you'd have people. serious, serious um, you'd have situations. People it, would you? Like, yeah, like Alex I mean, Ferguson. I've, I've, I have people, but the problem is, is they can't control the situation either. They can only tell you. They can, right. So, but, but then I would, I know, how can I phrase this? Um, let's just say, you know, as a man in his mid-50s, it's not smart to be having fights with drug dealers. No, obviously not. But I did. But you, you knew know, who the source was. Well, yeah. You know the people who sell to the real stars? Are they still the scum on the street who sell to the masses? I don't know. Probably not. How do stars get their hands on drugs so easily? It's such a, don't fucking ask me. I don't know. They they probably get people to get it for them, I would have thought. So would someone just come in backstage? I don't know. I, but I knew, I, knew who, I knew who a dealer, uh, 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 one of a, uh, the dealer, and I had, I had fights with him. And when Physical. she was, yeah, proper fights. Jeez. I could fight. I wouldn't want to have a fight now. Yeah. You know, but when we were at, um, just before the Grammys, she went into the Capio Nightingale for two weeks. She went into the Capio Nightingale for two weeks to get clean for the Grammys. And she, she was doing great there. And he turned up with a bunch of flowers and his two kids. 
And Amy went, oh, Dad, he's such a lovely family, man. I said, check the flowers. We we checked the flowers, and there was crack cocaine in the flowers. Fuck. You know, and that's 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 when I had it with him, you know. And, and you know, you're talking about serious people. Why did he want to do that? For the money what? or for his name what? to be associated with fame? Because it couldn't have been worth it. Why did he want to fuck someone's life up? Why would any drug dealer want to fuck anyone? For money, mainly, but to, to put it in Amy Winehouse's flowers, that's a bit thats a bit drastic. Just let her win her Grammy, man. Yeah, well, he weren't really interested in that. Did you expect was... the Grammy when the Grammy happened? Isn't it nearly fitting for the story of Amy Winehouse that she wasn't allowed in the States when she won it? It nearly yeah. made it that she won it in her hometown, that the satellite was in London and yeah. she's on stage and watches it. It was nearly better. <clears throat> she didn't care. She didn't care about going to the States. It was all set up nicely for her. She designed the set. She was having a great time, and and right because you don't know because we've been we've uh, we went to receive the Grammy for the duet with Tony and Amy, yeah, body and soul, and we didn't know we were we did win it. No one told us we were going to win it, so no one knew. But her manager Ray said, "I think we're going to win two. He says, "I think we're going to win two. So we're all pretty excited. And then of course the last the last uh, someone else won a Grammy that Amy should have won. The one that she didn't win. She was up for six Grammys. The one that she didn't win, Ray, Ray thought that was the that was the shoe in, that was the kick in, that was the one we were gonna get, but we didn't get it. I mean, we got the other five, something like that. And um, he says, I think we're gonna get two. And then as the night went on, whatever. And then of course Tony Bennett says, and the winner is Miss Amy Winehouse. Well, we've just gone. Well, you've seen the film, you know. It's, it was an incredible moment, really incredible moment. Her nervousness, although... She wasn't nervous, believe me. She was immensely nervous. Not all the time, but I mean, she, when she used to come and see me perform and she'd get up on stage with me, sometimes I said to her, not yet, get off the stage. But anyway, she'd, she'd come and watch me and she said, Dad, you've got balls of brass, I don't know how you do it. You know, you just get up here and sing. Never affected me. She she found it at points, not all the time, at, at certain times a struggle. Do you get nerves on stage? No. Is that because the voice that you sing in is such a controlled voice? I don't know. I just don't. There's get not. Nervous. There's not much dancing. It's more of a kind of old school <laughs> rap pack, though. You click the fingers, you stand there, and you let the throat do the work. Pretty much. But I don't get nervous. You know. I, you know when I get nervous, it takes me back to years ago. We were years and years and years ago. I was doing. I was doing a tour of Scotland. My God, right? And it was snowing, and four people turned up, and you know that's always got me. And I've gone. How's it looking out there? Is that you know, pre pre Amy? And um, now I, I always say, "How's it looking out there? Everyone here, everyone, there's a few feet, seats at the front still. Yeah, get, yeah, them, yeah. get them to come down to the front if it's not full." Do you up. have Do you have fans? Yeah, of course. Do I'm a big star. You don't realize. Yeah. <laughs> when you release a record, does it does it sell a bit? Yeah, a bit. Amy always told you that you're wasting your talent, didn't she? She she produced my first album, her and a guy called Tony Hiller, and it was like and that was an incredible experience because we just had so much fun. That was in two thousand and ten, and we just had so much fun, and and she had a great time. We had a really really lovely time, um, you know. So did she ever write nothing for you? No, yeah, she should have. She didn't. You know, another thing like we didn't get on. You know, the thing is. We loved each other as father and daughter, you know, and there were times, of course, we didn't get on, but there were times when we got on just great. And she'd say to me that you're my best friend. And she would speak to me about things which sometimes weren't really 
uh, you know, appropriate for appropriate. a relationship. And I'd say to her, listen, because my wife, she loved my wife, Jane. I said, I'll get Jane to speak to you about about this subject. Please don't talk to me about it. You what know, is and, sexual stuff? Or... Well, not sexual stuff, but maybe health, female health stuff. Yeah. You know, and I said, I'll get Jane to speak to you. And uh, we, we got on wonderfully. Really wonderfully from a child and my son, you know we all they never got on particularly great because they were brother and sister. They yeah. they did and they didn't, you know. But we all had a wonderful relationship, and I haven't thought about it for years. But I mean, the thing is, is of course when people say that I was absent, an absent father, it's just not true. And even at the time, I would take the the stance that um, you know what, let them think what they fucking want. Meanwhile, my family know what I was like. All my friends, and luckily, I have a lot of very, very dear friends. They know what I was like as a father. You know, as long as my family and friends know how I was, that's good enough for me. From an actual existential point of view, it seems like how passionately you speak of her that you think you'll meet again, do you? I do. Is that I, a religious a f- thing or is that a... No, it's not a Jewish religion thing. It, do you dream anyway. about her all the time? You can yeah. still hear her voice. Yeah, She's... I don't dream about her all the time. I dream, I dream about her fairly frequently. And it's always just... It's nothing like a clap of thunder and... Uh, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. It's like we're just sitting down having a cup of tea. Or she's yeah. ironing or something. Or hoovering. The last one was she was hoovering. And I've had incredible proof. Incredible. Because I do believe in life after death. And I have had incredible proof. And I, I truly believe she's with me. And um, well, it's, it's comforting. Is it more difficult to mourn a loss when society shares it with you? Well, I mean, you know, on, on Instagram and Facebook, people say to me, uh, you know, the day Amy died, my life ended. And I'm going, yeah, or oh, so I'm a dad, yeah. you know. But you know what? You know, we when I got the news that Amy had died, I was in New York. Oh, I can't tell you what it was like I can't you know who called you her security guard but it, it was on Amy's phone it was on Amy's phone yeah and it, I've gone oh oh no 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 sorry I was with my uncle who was visiting his son who lives in New York so my uncle I was with my uncle and my is there cousin. a few wine houses in New York no they weren't wine houses okay. they're a different family but they're cousins yeah and um, I've gone oh we were talking about Amy and I've gone oh she used to use the security phone to call me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, hey, she's here now. I went, hello, darling. And I can hear Andrew, the security guard. He's like incoherent. And I, and I knew, so I said, is she dead? And he oh, went, yes. fuck. And then... How I, did you know to ask that straight away? Cause... I could hear by his voice. Oh, he, he couldn't get it out. So anyway, my manager, I found my manager, Trenton, Ray was coming in, Amy's manager, didn't know, was on the flight. Oh, fuck. And uh, he was on the flight coming in. We met him at the airport. We got on the on that plane to go home. He didn't even know. He got off the plane. He saw us waiting for him. And he said, what's happened? I mean, can you imagine? So the three of us are now, and my cousin Michael came back as well. And we're all sitting on the plane. We're all crying going back. It was just horrible. Well. And then we got off the plane and I was kind of pulling myself together a bit and my two best friends, Barry and Hayden, came to meet me at Heathrow and they took me back to Janice. And Janice was there, her husband, Richard, my son, Jane, my wife. And we said, look, and we all, and I said to them, look, we can either, because as I'm coming across, I've got her, 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 
her talking to me in my head saying, create charity, dad, foundation, foundation. Because she was doing all this stuff anyway. Did she say that to you before? No, but she's just in my head. So when I got got to him, I said, look, we can either, what do you want to do? I said, I would like to to create a foundation and to try and make some good out of this incredible tragedy. And they all agreed. They said, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Uh, and after, so we created the foundation straight away and we had money and the first things we did was help, because Amy loved kids. And so we went to a children's hospice, we gave donations, we helped them to do this, that and the other. Then we then we grew. I wrote a book. Have you read my book? Amy, bits. my daughter. Yeah, bits. So I got over a million pounds. Uh, this is my money. The 2012 one? 2012. Yeah. So... You know, all of the money that all went that to the foundation that, went to the foundation. There's yeah. over a million pound in in um, and you said donations in royalties, and we still get royalties, and it goes to the foundation. Did you write or did you have an author? Do no, it I wrote it? it, and and it was edited. Okay, I wrote it, it was edited. So then we created a schools project. So we go into schools with people who are in recovery, talking to the kids. And in the last three years, we've addressed over 300,000 kids, not just about alcohol and drugs, but other things that affect kids today. Uh, self-image, self-harm, peer pressure, bullying, all of these. The self-harm aspect, and that's something that Amy was at a period associated with, what, what's that about? What is that? It is about taking, putting the pain there on your arm or on your leg and taking it away from your, your mind. Brain. But, you know, self-harm is not, uh, self-harm isn't a relation of suicide. It's completely separate. So in other words, people that self-harm don't go on and commit suicide. It's not, oh, well, I've done that. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, I've done that. Now I'm going to do that. Yeah. It's not a gateway to suicide. But let me just finish what I was saying about, because we're we're, we're sitting in the studios now in Dalston, 250 yards down the road, we have a recovery house for women, the only only all-women recovery house. So women who find themselves in recovery have got nowhere to go, generally speaking. As we said before, they're victims, generally speaking, of male coercion that put them there in the first place. Where are they going to go when they when they get clean? They normally go back to their, where they were before, and the whole thing starts again. So we created, just down the road here, a recovery house. We've got 18 young women who are in recovery, living in that house. It is the most incredible place. And all of these things... What happens after? Amy has created... We've got move-on houses as well and employment. But let's say if they're coerced by males originally, is there a fear about their next relationship? Yeah, that's a good point. But, I mean, generally speaking, because the relationships that Amy had after Blake were all good relationships, especially with Do you Reg. reckon her heart was still with Blake? No, I think she'd had moved on. I think that she told me that she felt that Reg, that Blake was like a little boy. Which is what he was. He was not. I mean, she loved him like she, she would love look, a son. Yeah, he was looking. He was know, a looking he was after type and of love. Hopeless and everything he ever did would. He was. He was useless at everything, and she felt. She felt sorry for him. Continue what you're saying about the foundation, though. Women go down there, and we. Um, they continue their recovery. It's relaxing. They can work <coughs> sixteen hours a day if they want, and um, they're all separate apartments, but they come together. We've got. They have Indian Reiki, Indian head massage, garden. It's it's a it's a wonderful place, cutting edge. The tabloid media gave your daughter absolute fucking hell. Well, they did, of course. How do we set up boundaries in terms of that though? 
the fact that somebody who's so great that Britain produced, <coughs> the media had an addiction to tear down until eventually they could cover well, her funeral and move could, on. Now no one says a bad story, word about Amy Winehouse. No, no one does. Good stories don't sell. You know, they're waiting for the next car crash, obviously. I mean, do you get the tabloid saying Elton John hasn't, a headline, Elton John hasn't taken drugs for 20 years? No, no one's interested. But if Elton John took drugs tomorrow or relapsed tomorrow, you could, it would be banner headlines all over the place. No one's interested in good news. So do you not think, as opposed to all these intricacies such as relationships and things that happen in everyday normal lives, was it not excessive fame that drove Amy to addiction as opposed to a relationship no. with, with a guy? Look, Blake was coercive anyway, and Amy being straight, I don't mean straight, I mean uh, not on Class A drugs, yeah. was of no value to Blake whatsoever. Well, she've done them the odd time like a normal Never. person would, though. No, she went Completely on stage. Completely clean, yeah. She, well, she smoked pot. Yeah. She went on stage and her, she had a mantra, Class A drugs are for mugs. You can see it. She, you just look it up. You'll yeah. see it on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Class A drugs are for mugs. Class, and she'd get them all to wherever. And then in my book, I, in the next chapter is Who's the Mug Now? You know, the thing is, is, is that with that kind of love, you know, all, encom all encompassing, it was everything. Um, it was inevitable that was going to happen. And yes, of course, the fame had played a major part in her self-esteem. So, you know, all of these things came, at a per it was like a perfect storm. My mum died May 2006. Why was that such a big deal? She was very, very, very close. But with it mom. is just a grandparent. And I yeah, it wasn't just a grandparent. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right? But, but Janice and I both worked and my mum looked after the kids. Okay. But now her grandma's not there. Blake's back on the scene. The album comes out. It's like a perfect storm. And um, she was obviously a victim of that perfect storm. But it didn't last long. People don't realise it didn't last long. You know, they were in Florida. They got married in Florida. They came back. They went on a bender. And pretty soon he got arrested. She oh. has financially secured yes. the Winehouse family for the next four generations. Well, the, the Winehouse family was secure for this generation. Now that's it's nearly it's, aristocratic. Well, that's a good way of putting it. But, I mean, that that that's right. And, of course, that's what we do. Obviously, we put money in trust for uh, my, my son and my grandson. And for their and for my grandson's descent, uh, what do they call them? For his, you know, for his kids, his issue. That's what they call them for his issue. So that you know, they'll all be sorted, which is good. So Amy's looking after her own kids as well. That's remarkable. What's remarkable about it? Just the allegations of you being. Who cares? You know what? You you're up more upset about it than I. As a guy who hadn't met you before, to walk around with a tag. That is so untrue. I Who find cares? it remarkable. I, that. I once had a, co a, 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 a conversation in the, early, in the early days, and I said, okay, so would you prefer me to, to stop giving money to our foundation? I mean, we're not talking about the, the contribution that we give to the foundation every year as well. That's another issue. I said, you, would you... Would you feel happy if we stopped the foundation and we stopped helping the kids who, who desperately need our help in children's hospices and in the recovery? Would you prefer that we did that just so that you'd have a better story? Your own music. What Got are you doing it for? As a guy in his late 60s, you have a great voice. All I get that. All the money that. goes to the foundation. Okay. Every show that I do, goes to the all the money goes to the foundation. 
there's a lot of people, failed footballers, failed rugby players, who have a kid who goes on to be the best player in the world. Is there ever a part of you, and I'm not saying this is true, and I really don't want to get a London cabbie headbutt here. Was there ever a part of you that was envi- envious of her? No. Never I'll once? Have, not at all. If she was male, do you think you would have been a bit fucked off by it? Maybe, but she wasn't male. Not at all. What does music make you feel? Oh, well, who do I like listening? What does music mean to you? Does it, it means ma- everything to me. It's, it's, it changes it's your lives. mood. You know what? When I was ill, and I and I was ill, I had uh, septicemia, and I did nearly die. Um, when I was getting better, I how did you I nearly die? Septicemia. But like, how close were you to death? Well, Coma? I, I say that I, you know, I say that I was I was going to die within. Two, my wife says you're hypochondriac. You really, yeah, yeah. No, but I did have septicemia, and Amy was because I had um, I had uh, what I have. I had a gallbladder removed, but not keyhole it had to be the old fashioned way and they said to Amy and I had said to see me before that and they said to Amy I said to her do not because she'd make me laugh and I had stitches in my stomach yeah. and of course they brought her in in a nurse's uniform in the hospital and I'd done the stitches and I'd have the <laughs> stitches done again and I was pretty ill but you know what and, I, and I'd start and I don't know why I wasn't listening to music and I started listening to music uh, Sergio Mendes some stuff and fuck it was like it was like a, like getting an, an adrenaline injection. Yeah. I mean, it really, music can change the world. Obviously it can. We know that Amy's done that. Music can change the way you feel. It's it's incredibly powerful medicine. Do you feel pressure Love to make music. one of the grandkids a musician now, though, to carry on the legacy? It can't just no. die. No, but it can't just die. It, no, he's a footballer. footballer. Yeah. <laughs> he's no. good. Well, Isn't it weird that Amy's going to be famous in 100 years, though? Isn't that strange to, to know? I think it's a, a wonderful thing. Just a shame she had to die at 27... You know, maybe she'd have died at 87. She would have still been famous in 100 years. Do you own the rights to her music? Yeah. So can we play one of her tracks at the end of this pod? To, no. To, no. Of course you can do what you fucking like. Can we, yeah? What are you going to play? Let's well, do well, Addicted. I love that. So I can talk us out to Addicted by Winehouse now and get no complaints from no, anyone in an email. Mitch Winehouse, the foundation, is incredible. Can people donate to it or what? what's the... Yeah, amywinehousefoundation.org. Send us your money. I need a new car. Send, send us <laughs> plenty of money. <laughs> Mitch Winehouse, pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much for coming on the Mike Lantern show. It's been great. Stuff, yeah. You know, um, I forgot to mention, one of the first things oh, yeah. we did, one of the first things we did was in um, Dublin. We went to a children's hospice. I think it's the only non-church. Yeah. And it was a children's hospice. Yeah. But it wasn't It wasn't run by the church, right? And and um, we, made, we made a 10,000 donation in there. That was a lovely day. Yeah. I enjoyed that. It was good. Like you know that a lot of that stuff in that film was bullshit, yeah. right? So you know, I haven't got to convince you, you know. But sometime, or not 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 recently, but you you got to convince people yeah. that what you're saying is true. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's only one person to blame. That's Amy. You know, she'd been told, do not what she was doing. She was drinking and then and then getting dry, drinking and then getting dry, drinking. And the doctors said to her, and they wrote to her, and they said. Do not do that. If you detox, you have to do it under medical supervision. She was told. There's only one person to blame. It's not the record company. It's not me. It's not the paparazzi. It's her. But in terms of the detox, she just went cold turkey off gargle. And, well, you're... Your organs can't handle it. Exactly. You know that. I know that. She's like a genius. She's doing fucking Sudoku, like the most, <laughs> like the most 
complicated Sudoku and cryptic crosswords, and she didn't. Would know she be that. doing that shit? Yeah. Would she no, be? Yeah. She'd be expressing her intelligence in ways that weren't musical. Yeah, she'd be doing. Look, she did. She did. You know about the um, Fred Perry collection? Yeah. She like, designed. She it. did. She did six seasons. Uh, six Fred Perry collections. You know, so she was. She was very creative, but very smart from her mother's side. Sudoku. They couldn't make a mild enough for her. So then I look at it and I go, what is this? This is like a jumble of numbers. And she go, oh, Dad, come on. You know. But academically in school, it's not ours. She could read when she was three years old. What are they going to teach her in school? Did she like Spurs? I took her once. She said, don't take me again, Dad. I don't want to go. Did she ever used to ask you about a result, though? Would she be like, oh, that, that virginia is well sexy? No. <laughs> yeah, do you know, like, yeah, in those days. No, my son, like, if he didn't want to go... You know, I'd take, I'd take Amy, but she didn't want to go. What is the story with the son? Is he, like, how's he dealt with the fact that he lost his sister? Is he... Not not great. No, he's he's, he has, he's had his struggles. Is he in music at all? No. He's, like, in journalism. What's it like to have a sister that famous, though? It Difficult. must be fucking really tough, Difficult. especially as a sole sibling. Yeah. But my grandson, it's difficult, it's my grandson, who's six, he's now starting to ask about Amy. Yeah. And, and he said that a kid in school said to him, oh, your 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 auntie's Amy Winehouse, and I don't think she was very nice, something like that. And he got upset. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't oh, know. Shit. That's his child. That's your son's child. Yeah, that's, that's Amy's nephew. And then when he gets to 19, everyone's going to go, your auntie was Amy Winehouse. And to her art, we all remain addicted. Amy Winehouse, your ability to express your beautiful soul via your life change of music, man, that when it came to joy, I, like many of your fans, had no problem in getting mine. We continue to hope that you got yours, MA Show.